The Roxy was an old skating rink. So the dance floor was like a roller skating rink, massive. We had all the celebrities. They had to shut down the street in New York City one night. There's so many people waiting to get in. There's a picture of Nicolas Cage, about 10 people back, and we couldn't get him through the crowd to get him inside. Oh my God. Donald Trump came by, David Lee Roth, uh, and Mickey Rourke was huge. Mickey Rourke, I mean, I hope my audience knows who Mickey Rourke is. He's a legend. He was handsome. How about Rupman? David's great. I've known David since he's the manager of Tantra, I think, you know? And he's really ambitious and he's done really well. And he's a good guy. I like him a lot. I met him twice. Very humble, just like yourself. You kind of grew up in front of you. He did, yeah. Tantra was behind it. He was a bartender slash. I think he's a manager there. Yeah, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And now he, he owns a lot of properties in here. He has killed it. Killed it. Yeah. Hi, baby. Hop in the Lamborghini. Uh, I'm midi. I'm me only. I'm midi. Uh, hi, baby. Hop in the Lamborghini. Lamborghini. Welcome to another episode of Stroke of Success Podcast. I'm your host, KB. Today's guest is someone super special. I mean, I, I, I'm going back in time. Let me give you a quick story. I moved to Miami, Florida back in 1999 from Brooklyn, New York. And I had a good friend of mine named Alfie Justice. And he goes, hey, he's my boxing trainer. We used to train for boxing and bodybuilding. And he goes, listen, uh, I'm going to take you to South Beach this weekend. I go, whoa, wait a minute. Like South Beach, boy, I, I drive by there. I can't get in. I'm underage. And the girls are so beautiful. The guys are handsome. I mean, I'm a broke little young kid from Brooklyn. He goes, don't worry about it. Go buy some clothes. Get ready. You want to go party. So lo and behold, we get there. And there was a club. I, I can't forget this. I'm going to give you guys a visual. The lines are around the block. Saturday evening, about 11.30, 12 o'clock, 12-ish. I think it was Halloween night or Halloween weekend. And this, they had this S on top of the building. And the place was called Shadow Lounge. Mind you, I'm 17. I have a fake ID. A good speaker back then, too. But Alfie knew the security people and people around them. And we pull up to it, and he goes, this is my buddy, and show my ID. And they looked at me once and twice, like, all right, let him in. And as soon as we get in there, I see Alfie gets so excited. He goes, he saw this gentleman walking. He goes, Bobby, Bobby. And everyone turns around, oh, my God, that's Bobby, that's Bobby. I'm 17. I, I turn around, and I'm like, who's this Bobby guy? Here comes this gentleman with his nice dress shirt tucked in, dress pants, with beautiful women right around him, as always. And there was my first meeting with Bobby Brandt, the one and only, the king of Miami. Before Grumpman, before Pachalo, before all these gentlemen we hear about these days, Bobby Brandt was the man. Bobby, thank you for joining us. Of course, KD. Pleasure. Oh, my God. This is, this is surreal for me. Oh, man. The stories I can tell. You. I, by the way, I, I'm a <laughs> married man now. I have kids. And so, you know, and. Got to be careful. I'm divorced, so you're, I can go You're like fine. It. You're a single man. <laughs> Bobby, how's it going? All's well. How about you? Oh, my God, Bobby. When you agreed to do this, Bobby, I, I jumped. I was at my uncle's house. We have a mutual friend, my uncle, uh, Dean Mohammed Qureshi. That's uh, great, by the way. I love you, uncle. He's my mentor. Yeah. By the way, so I moved in with him at that time. Right. Come to your clubs. I'd be living with him. And he's like, my 17-year-old nephew's living with me. Where are you going to go? I'm like, shadow lounge. Full circle, <laughs> right? Full circle. <laughs> Guys, oh, man. Where do I start, man? Bobby. I remember that time. It was a different time, 1999, Miami, Florida, South Beach, Florida. Yeah, absolutely. Whole different world. Different world. Yeah. Different politics. Different. About it. 
When? Magic time. Magic time. The most amazing time, I, I think, so. in the 90s. And I agree. I agree. Beach were unmatched. So I wasn't born for Studio 54. I heard stories, right? right. New York. That was a Studio 54 era for South Beach. I would agree. Right? Yeah, we actually did a disco inferno at the Roxy in New York. Yeah. Oh, it was wow. like a revisiting of Studio 54. Okay. And we had like 7,000 people a night. And that's basically generated the first club, the spot. Oh, my that's God. That's how it all started. So we did a huge party in New York City. That's amazing. Was, it was Studio 54. Wow. Again, 15 years later. That's insane. It, it's still, but Shadow was magic for sure. Shadow was magic. When I get to Shadow, we'll start with the beginning. Bobby, where are you born? I was born in Miami. Miami, Florida. Like You're a native. I am Coconut Grove. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Third generation. What did your parents do? Uh, my father was an attorney. My mother didn't work. Okay. Thank my you. father was a criminal attorney for some Italian guys. Okay. My grandfather was the president of the Florida Bar. His partners were the sons of the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, which is Hugo Black. Oh, wow. So there's a dynamic. You know, my, they're both attorneys, but totally different spectrums. Okay. So totally, totally different, uh, different types of life, to say the oh. least. Your dad did pretty well. My dad did well. He left when I was young, you know, so we grew up in a, in a, in a low, lower income neighborhood. Okay. Did at least I divorced? Yeah, they divorced a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. My father's passed away since. Okay. So, how old were you when he left you? Like four years old. Got divorced when you were four? Yeah. And just you and your mom? Three sisters. Wow. Yeah. So, four of us and about nine St. Bernards. You're- here in Miami. <laughs> yeah. People thought I was a wolf boy going to school. I had so much dog hair over me. I was like dog hair and slobber, so it stuck. Three sisters. Yeah, three sisters. Okay. Mom. So your dad left. Did lifestyle change quite a bit when he got Yeah, I mean, we were, you know, we would have to make money to, you know, to feed ourselves kind of thing. But when I was 14, my mother was going to get married. So I actually moved out of the house when I was 14. And I moved in with a phenomenal family, the De Marias. And they took me in. Mrs. DeMaria had like four acres and Pinecrest and her husband had died. So I thought it'd be nice to have somebody there and I needed a place to live. And they really were phenomenal and just a great family, Italian dinners every Sunday. Her son actually started the collection. He wow. built that empire. Wait a minute. So was, Stop, was, slow down. Now you're dropping some gems. So yeah. for my audience that are not from South Florida, I'm sure even if you're out of South Florida, you know the collection is a major landmark leadership here on Biscayne Boulevard, correct? Well, it's in Coral Gables. Coral Gables, okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Making, I'm mixing up the other one, okay. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, it's phenomenal. We had 17 car dealerships, you know, Porsche, Ferrari, Jaguar. His family owned, they owned yeah, that? Yeah, he owned, Joe started everything. And I lived with him since I was 14 to like 23. 14 to 23. Yeah, and then I introduced him to his wife. Wow. University of Miami. UM. Yeah. That's where I went to school also. After high school, you did UM? I did, yeah. Okay. When do you think the entrepreneurial bug? Well, I worked at the, at the dealerships. We, first, we started with just Gables Honda and Orange Motors, which is Jaguar. Okay. And I worked there since I was 15 years old. Joe is the hardest working guy you'll ever meet in your life. Oh. I mean, but 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's the only way you build something like that. So I got the first indication of how to do business. I can't say that I didn't really like the car business. So I left when I was like 23, 24 years old. But all my friends and I were all models. We'd run around Miami and just have fun. Yeah. And work very little. Okay. You're models. <laughs> yeah. Like model. looking... Yeah, yeah. I modeled for Michelle Palmier for like wow. seven years. Wow. And uh, lived in Barcelona, modeled in Barcelona, did campaigns for Germany, England, France. Did you make good money modeling? I did, yeah. I did a lot of TV commercials. I mean, back then, it was the 1980s, I get like $1,000 a day. Sure. When you modeled. So it was very lucrative. 
right? Yeah, and you'd play volleyball and go to the castings and meet all the women sure. on the other time. So this is the eighties. Yes. Okay, cool. High school after high school, you did UM. Yeah. When you, you didn't do modeling after going to UM? After UM and after after I left the collection. Okay. What'd you get to undergrad in? Uh, English literature. Interesting. Yeah. Bobby Brand, the <laughs> king of Miami clubs and restaurant hospitality, did English. Yeah, I didn't realize people in Miami didn't speak English. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is true. My but, however, it's still I was going to go into law school. Okay. But then I decided not to. Yeah. Why I was, not? I was making so much money at the collection. I was making more than cars. That was a por- leasing manager at Porsche Ferrari, and back then it was a cocaine cowboys. So. We couldn't keep enough cars in stock. I mean, they would come in with bags of money all day long. You didn't have to claim with the IRS. You didn't have to know their real name. They didn't have to have a driver's okay. license. They just come in with bags of cash. Drop yeah. it. Yeah. Here's the key. Yeah, yeah. We actually had uh, a dinner with Dr. Ferry Porsche in Germany oh because we're the number one Porsche dealership in the country. Did you guys, you guys went out there and had dinner? Yeah, with we, yeah we, we picked up a 930 in Stuttgart and went to rallied all the way to Switzerland and had dinner with Dr. Ferry Porsche. My goodness. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Oh, my goodness. There was other, other uh, d- dealerships all around the country, but we were noted as the number one. Yeah, everybody met and met Dr. Ferry Porsche. Huh? He did that? He one of the pioneers of Porsche? Uh, Dr. Ferry, his father did, yeah. His father yeah, created Ferry. Porsche. Yeah, yeah, Porsche. With, along with is it Porsche, Porsche? Porsche. Porsche. Porsche is a two-syllable word. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> something I learned today. Wow, dude, that's after UM, sold cars. Modeling. Tell me the modeling days. Well, first, let's go back to cars. So you're naturally good at communication. Correct. Salesmanship. Yes. Entrepreneurship. Almost too good at salesmanship. That's what disturbed me about the car business. You know, the more the nicer the people were, the more money you made off of. Interesting. Like that dynamic was not comfortable with me because I really I still remember people that I sold the car for way too much. They probably still have the car. Over 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 <laughs> Yeah. It becomes a, an issue, you know. So it just the. The principle of it bothered me. Bothered you. Yeah, it did. Bobby, did you, did you see a lot of celebrities at this time? At that time, at the Porsche time, people come in to buy cars? My, of course, yeah, everybody. Name if, you, if you remember. No, I, I don't really recall. I mean, to us as celebrities back then were the cocaine cowboys. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, they were the ones you paid attention to. Cocaine but, was mainstream at that time. Yeah, it built, Overall, it it built, built Miami. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I mean, everybody, a lot of people you see that are successful now, Probably dabbled in it somewhere in, somewhere in, in, their, in their journey. In their journey, it was just too available. I mean, there was a there was a multi billion dollar business back then. You know, when everything went in recession, Miami never did. You know, Miami Miami grew. You know, really, oh, absolutely. That's quite a time. Okay, so there, it's the eighties right now. I'm born in eighty two. <laughs> I'm living in Flagler. You're in diapers yeah, now. I was in diaper highly at Flagler. <laughs> I was here. My dad and mom had me in Brooklyn. They then they moved to Florida right away. So I was here in diapers. <laughs> 80s are happening. The cocaine cowboys. It was that one woman. They're making. They're making a movie on her life right now. Griselda. Yes, the godmother. They call her. Her son bought cars for me. Uber. I knew Uber and Griselda. That was the kind of clientele that we had. He Talk to me about this guy. He just had a suit on. No, no, very right, under, really under small the, guy, very small in stature. Under the under the radar. Yeah, under the radar. But of course, buy a Ferrari cash, and you know, had the gold watches and gold Rolexes, and I think he lived up in Turnberry. Okay, Aventura. Yeah, yeah. You put two and two together, you're like, okay, two, two plus equals four, yeah. cash money, young person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, it wasn't yes. hard to figure out. No, probably not You're a good idea. But it was quite evident when you go to his parties. Oh, you got invited? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how I met his mom, you know, and his brother, Ozzy. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back to that time. Yeah, wow. well, you had like Willie Falcone, 
Willie Falcone got arrested. Okay. Uh, he said he would bring in 100 cigarette boats a week. And each boat was about $5 million. He say 90% of them would make it through. So when he got busted in the uh, like early 80s, he offered the government $2 billion in cash. There's no billionaires for a 17-year sentence. But they refused the money. But that back then, he had at least $2 billion in cash to offer to get a light and se- lighter sentence. So those are the kind of, that's the kind of money that was running around. I mean, just insane. Just beyond belief, you know? Wow. So you walk into the party, the first party. You remember the first party you went? I yeah, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Condo, house, mansion? Condo, like a large penthouse. Okay, it's so open door and you walk in and yeah. there are trays of... Yes, trays of party favors. <laughs> being rotated. Everywhere, big piles everywhere, yeah. yeah pretty crazy. Right? Alcohol being served. Anything you wanted. Anything you want. Anything, it was a, yeah. Beautiful woman. Yeah, no money was expended. I mean, there was no no limit. No limit. They did. It was, you know, as high as you can get as far as that kind of party. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> how old were you when you walked into this party? Well, I started again. It was eighteen years old. 18, you know, so, but, yeah. But I would go to Turnberry. I'd go to all the all the clubs where all the all the all the drug dealers went because it was my business. You know, sure. that's what I sold them to. Like there was faces in the grove, string fellows, cats, and you'd go into those bars or, or clubs. And they'd have piles of drugs on the table with guys sitting with machine guns next to their their bosses. I mean, it was like the OK Corral we used to call it. I mean, Literally, yeah. guys, like they, when you're talking, there's a guy bodyguard here with, yeah. a, with a gun. Yeah, with guns on him, for sure. With guns and drugs and, you know, just champagne and cocaine pretty much is the idea behind it. Just a crazy time. Were you scared? Were you nervous? No, I knew all of them. <laughs> I was scared. I never... 18. I, yeah, well, I never did anything with them except sold them cards, so nice. they liked me. You, know? you didn't party with them? No. You don't want to mix the two? No, no. I wasn't much of a partier. No, you weren't? No, no. I dabbled a little bit later, but okay. it wasn't having an addictive personality, okay. so it wasn't a good thing to do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's put it that way. It's smarter yeah, not to. I have my stories, too. Yeah, just like with alcohol, the same kind of thing. Sure. You know, it's just you have to be careful. Yeah. Mindful. Moderation is the key. Sure. Okay, so cocaine, cowboys, parties, young Bobby Brands going to them, hanging around with them, doing business with them, selling cars to them for That's the correct. record. That's correct. Nothing else. No. Um, of course, any, you know, what they do is that there's business. How was she the godmother? Uh, very offstandish. You know, you, you're, she's intimidating, you know, because she had a very serious face all the time. Interesting. I mean, they said she killed like 300 people. That's what I heard. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not the kind of person you want to talk to. But then, wow. then you could get afraid. <laughs> That's a good time to be scared. Wow. She didn't like you. You know, she'd kill you for looking at her wrong, apparently. So it was intimidating. That's, that's insane. Yeah. Wow. After this whole cars dealership thing, you did some modeling. What happened after that? Well, we actually had a party at my house in Coconut Grove. Okay. We invited all the models. Okay. And all the, and it's hugely successful party. But like, my house was trashed. You know, the rugs, the walls, the dog next door is pregnant. I mean, it was just crazy. Cleaned up for like two months. And everybody's like, well, when are you going to have another party? When do you have another party? And we're like, I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to repaint my house again. So we, uh, my friend Gary James started Avenue A, okay. which is like we, you would know, have to know a password and you'd have to know where the location was. And every Friday we moved it to a different location. Wow. And so that it became like an underground party and it became hugely successful. And then we went from that, we started promoting Disco Inferno at the Cameo Theater. And the Cameo was still a theater floor. So, you know, everybody, and we'd get up to 3,500 people every Sunday night. 
at the Cameo Theater. I mean, there's a line, talk about line around I mean, the block. you're across yeah. Shadow. Yeah, across from Shadow. Crowbar. crowbar. Yeah, there was yeah. Crowbar after, yeah. but when it was still a theater, it still had the slanted floor. So beginning of the night, everybody would be up on top of the floor. By the end of the night, <laughs> gravity would take over. Everybody shoved out of the corners. When, when it became Crowbar, they, they'd make the floor even? Yeah, they evened they, everything yeah. out. Yeah, they evened everything out, and they put the second level there. That was Kenny and Cal, one of your friends of mine. Oh, wow. Okay, so it was like a, it was like it would go up like this. Yeah, when you walk because it used to be a theater, so it had this the you know the flooring like you'd sit to watch a theater. Well, it's nice. The yeah, stage yeah. would be here. You the back yeah. over here. Yeah, we didn't have it was just it was just they weren't even open except for Sunday night for us. That's it. But yeah, we just the space was available. We took the space and started doing it. And then then we went to New York City, and did Disco Inferno there, and we're and Mickey Work was a friend of Gary's, so we talked about Gary had the spot space. You know, but it was a restaurant with uh, Lee Schrager, who does Southern, uh, the Food and Wine Festival now. Had, but it was like a bar, a restaurant that didn't succeed. So I said, well, let's do, we brainstorm together. Let's do a rock and roll bar. Because everything back then was German photographers, Italian, this. It was very European in South Beach, you know, because all the, all the photography. Industry. So I said, let's open a rock and roll bar. You know, Harley Davidson's, you know, we had Marilyn Monroe on the wall and Jimi Hendrix and just, thought of that concept and mickey's like yeah i'd love to be involved in it so we i came back to miami took care of disco inferno still across the street started building the spot no money ever came in so we put you know i got george uh, doors from my friend jimmy i got tile from another guy we were painting the place and we opened it. i remember having two cd players in the corner of the bar i was just playing the, the no mixer so i had to get the other cd in quickly when i switched from song to song and then uh, one of my friends, Bobby Stark, who was our partner at Disco Inferno, said, well, let's try, as opposed to just rock and roll, let's mix it up. And so we played a little, little hip hop back then, rock and roll. And then we actually brought in George Acosta, who was a you know, pretty famous DJ. Let's stop right there. Yeah. I'm going to get to him. Okay. So, wow, this is so much. Yeah. How old were you when this, see the party happened in your house? You made a, a mess out of it, like, you know, and boom, maybe, maybe you should do a party outside. Yeah, better idea. 24, 23? I was actually a little old, like 27. 27 years old, still young, yeah. right? And you started one Miami cameo yeah. on Sundays, yeah. and then you went to New York, Correct. and you did the Disco, disco Inferno. Yeah. What club was that exactly? The Roxy. Still, the Roxy was an old skating rink. Yeah. So the dance floor was the, like, a, like a roller skating rink. Sure, sure. It was massive. Okay. But we had all the celebrities over there. Everybody, we could, the whole secret is we worked the door. So we would, they call it the bridge and tunnel crowd. Yes, yes. No, yes. no offense. I'm from, Brooklyn, I, New York. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. My father's from the Bronx. Sure, yeah, so I understand. No, so that's okay. Please, please. But either way, it kept it, you know, at a high level. Sure. And uh, we literally, they had to shut down the street in New York City one night. There's so many people waiting to get in. There's a pic picture of Nicolas Cage, about 10 people back, and we couldn't get him through the crowd to get him inside. Oh, my God. And Donald Trump came by, David Lee Roth, uh, all the ball players. We did a U.S. Open tennis party there. With all the tennis players so it was a very high end and you know very very lucrative nicholas cage yeah nicholas cage was there. 90s this is yeah 91 okay 91, so he's not well, he's he's on the uh, he's on the rise at that time yeah yeah and mickey work was huge but that's too. the name was i come to you right now mickey Rourke. i mean i hope my audience knows who mickey Rourke is he's a legend he was handsome He's from Miami Beach, too. So Miami Beach is down the road, right? Well, now he's in L.A., I think. He's in L.A. now. Miami Beach. Um, funny story. When he did The Wrestler, he was getting a, uh, a ride, a taxi ride from my friend in New York. 
My friend stops the car. He goes, I'm called KB. My, K- my friend KB is a Bali- Hollywood guy. Gave the phone to him. Gave him the phone. I'm like, Mickey, I'm a big fan. Congratulations for the wrestler. His comeback movie. Yeah. I'm at Good Luck with the Iron Man 2 coming out. Very nice conversation. He goes, yep, uh, I'm going to send you a picture. Awesome guy. But he, this is, this is Mickey Rourke, 80s and 90s, man. Early 90s. He was the man. Yeah, he was a man, for sure. Good looking. Nice guy, too. Great person. I heard very humble. Yeah, yeah. Boxing. Yep. Boxing guy, right? Not the best boxer. Not the best boxer. <laughs> so you hung out with Mickey? Oh, yeah. He was at the club all the time. He was, again, he was supposed to be a partner. Then he kind of wasn't a partner. And then he, but his name just being associated with oh, it God. beyond helped. I mean, international. People come from Germany and try and get in. And, you know, it's like he, he brought that international audience for yeah. sure. Yeah, we knew the locals. He, he brought all the other tourists and all the other. A lot of women around that guy. Good looking guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, definitely a, attractive women. Any other? Nick, Nick Cage, Mark, uh, uh, Mickey, Lork, any, any other celebrities come to your mind? Oh, yeah. Well, I hung out with Charlie Sheen for a oh, few days. Yeah, we, uh, he hung out with me like three days. And then uh, Johnny Depp would always come in. And of course, all the supermodels were always there from Cindy Crawford to Nikki Taylor. Naomi Campbell. Yeah, Naomi Campbell. Taylor from here, South Florida, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. She's at, yeah, from Fort Lauderdale area, I think. Her father's a state trooper. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, we had. We had all the, the cameo was doing all the concerts across the street. We had like Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, Michael Stipe from R.E.M., uh, Garth Brooks, Grace Jones, Prince. This is, this is over here in Miami. It was in Miami okay. uh, at the cameo, uh, but they had all come to the spot because I was right across the street. So we had tons of celebrities. It's just uh, too many to, to name, really. So funny thing is, I, I just interviewed um, Todd Epola yeah. right before this amazing interview I did with him. I mentioned your name. By the way, go ask 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 um ask him, Bobby, about the spot because right behind mm-hmm. Shadow Lounge, around around the corner of Shadow Lounge. Yeah. So he like there's so many memories he had from there. Okay. Wow. So all the models, actors, Johnny Depp. How's Charlie Sheen to hang out with back He's then? He's really funny. Really nice guy. Charming. Yeah. That's what I hear. Hysterical. Like funny. really oh yeah, just naturally witty. funny. Yeah, very witty, very funny. Wow. You know? I'm sure the stories are... Yeah, I won't go into elaboration. We all, we all, we all know that story now. <laughs> you you can just yeah. imagine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't... I, I don't want to... Yeah. Nothing derogatory. Sure. Which it wasn't at no. all. It was fun. Good guy. Yeah, good That's guy. That's what I hear about him. Likes to have fun. Look at that. Good man. All right, so we, just, we opened the spot. We have Sunday night over there. Yep. What happened next? I went to the Chili Pepper. I heard. Chili Pepper was down the street, and they were... It was a restaurant with a, like a bar. And so I met with the, the partners there, and then I said, I'll come in. I said, well, we're taking the kitchen out. I said, and we're going to make it into a club. You know, and you have to have certain licenses for clubs. It's different from having food and not having food. Sure. But they're a little hesitant, but we finally convinced them of that. And Chili Pepper literally did 10 times the money. And then we opened a place next door because there, there was a lot of other clubs trying to open next to us, which brought undesirable people. Wow. Which kind of made the neighborhood more, you know, more uneasy. So we bought the place next door and opened Brant's Break, which is a pool hall. But we had like Bridget Hall, you know, Kate Moss, everybody come and play pool, you know, a tank top. So it became a very popular place. <laughs> Actually had a line around the corner to get in the pool hall, but they attached in the back. So then after Brant's Break, we did uh, Atlanta Chili Pepper. We opened up for the Olympics as some good friends from Atlanta, friends of Jimmy Sadler. And so we uh, opened Atlanta for the Olympics. And then we opened Fort Lauderdale, where Revolution Live is now. And we had uh, 
I'm not a favorite fan of Fort Lauderdale. It's just a different crowd from Miami. Different crowd. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of the New Jersey of New York. You're right, 100%. Yes. So 100%. we're not offending New Jersey. You're. We However, love New Jersey guys. Yeah, yeah we different. do too. I love them too. Yeah. <laughs> but the, so then they uh, had David Bowie play there for two nights and a lot of big bands, you know, Keanu Reeves' band, uh, uh, Robert Palmer, you know, Verve Pipe, or Creed. I mean, really great shows. But when David Bowie came, I was like, I had enough of Fort Lauderdale. And that's when we came up with the Shadow Lounge. And the Shadow Lounge, because I lived in Barcelona, we, we thought electronic music, we're going to bring that. We brought George Acosta in. Was already well, re, you know, well known. Was he? Yeah, because he did Planet Hollywood. It was the largest record, largest dance record at the time. Planet Hollywood, yeah, or Planet Soul. Come to my Planet Soul. I think yeah, that's Planet Soul. So, my yeah, Planet yeah, Soul. My, my Planet Soul. So, as I walked in that night, guys, to Shadow Lounge with my friend Alfie Justice, rest in peace to Alfie. Um, and I look up, and this short stature, stocky guy, goatee, and he's spinning. And everyone is like in awe. And I'm like, who's this guy? Alfie goes, that's George Costa. And dude, this, this, he just took people from zero to 100 in so many ways. Yeah. It, it, was, it was different. We didn't want to play all, all the trance or techno, whatever you call it. Owls, whatever. Yeah. So we mixed it. Mixed it. You did. And so we, we only went to the trance sets to try and set it up because we were dealing with the techno club in Germany, Frank or Germany, Dorian Gray, like Tala, Tauscher, all the, all the big guys that were over in Europe. Sure. And so then we uh, also brought Tiesto for our second year anniversary, Paul Van Dyke, Barry Corston. I mean, the biggest DJs you see at Alter now. Yeah, they were there. They were all there. And, were and there. as a matter of fact, Alex has started Alter worked for me. He was oh, really? A, he started at the spot. So Alex, because I also had a record store across the street called Groove Man Music. Yes, I used to buy my CDs yeah, there all yeah, the time. Yeah, when we also, yeah, yeah, that was mine. I, I partnered up with George. And that was mine. And then we did, uh, we sold all the vinyl to all the DJs. But during Winter Music Conference, every single big DJ in the world was in there trying to buy the vinyl. Stuff and yeah, looking through, we had six turntables set up to listen to it. It's quite interesting. Bring you back in time. <laughs> Bobby, did you own Shadow Lounge? I did. I was a partner. You were a partner. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Everything I, I was... Everywhere I've been, I've owned part Your of it. Your piece of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, bigger pieces, smaller pieces, whatever. But I was always the front man. I was always the person that was always the host. And uh, I had let people in the background do the technical stuff. There was a movie that was made back in the 90s. Classic action movie. And it was filmed at the Shadow Lounge. Yeah. And it was called? Bad Boys. Bad Boys. And I remember the scene. And, and to this day, when that movie comes on, I, I tell my wife, hey, hey. That's the club I used to go to. She's like, oh, really? She had no idea, right? Um, but she's a little younger than me. But Shadow, uh, Shadow Lounge was a place where they filmed Bad Boy. Tell me about that. How did that all come, to, come together? Well, we had the, the fish tank. We had a large fish tank. Remember some yeah, from, yeah, for the sake of looking at the women's room. Yes. And most of the, most of the men knew they could look at the women. Yeah, most yeah. of the women didn't know they could look at the men. Yeah, so yeah. it was very awkward sometimes. But yeah, that's what they liked about the Shadow Lounge. Sure. They enjoyed that. And they broke it. For the for the movie, yeah, they did. Yeah, they shot it out. Turned you know. around, he's seen, yeah, yeah. hit someone. Yeah, room. yeah. So that was just. Uh, I mean, they did a lot of different locations. They did the Billmore Hotel. They did Billmore Hotel. Yeah, uh, I remember. Uh, Al Capone. They, they they approached you. Yeah, they, we did a lot of different productions. We did like the like movie premieres, like for Blade. I remember that. Yeah, with, they won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From uh, Stephen yeah. Dorff, who was a big and Wesley Snipes. Snipes huge. And we did like uh, Russell Simmons and Andre Harrell's birthday party. Right. With uh, Mariah Carey, Jennifer Lopez. Mariah passed uh, away, yeah. yeah. 
and Mariah Carey was a guest singer, and we did the the porno industry players ball. Yeah, that happened too. I remember that. I heard about that. Ice T is a commentator. Really, pretty crazy. Did you have any time with P Diddy, Puffy? I did. Yeah, he was there that night with Andre. He tried to buy my club at one point. Shadow. Yeah, he wanted to buy Shadow. He did, oh. and he's actually involved, I think, in the group that bought the Chili Pepper in Atlanta. Interesting. That. Yeah, I mean, he he, you know, it's it was a great club, you know, and the best part we had. The strip joint across the street, Madonna's. Yes, I remember that. It didn't serve alcohol. No. So I had an office set up with alcohol just for some odd reason. Yeah. <laughs> just arbitrarily. Right, right, right. <laughs> for no excuse oh, at all. Oh, man. So my side door was very busy. And I had a buzzer on the side door just to let the girls in. Oh, my God. Drink. Yeah, the Club Madonna's interesting, guys. Back then, the, the girls would go stand outside. Yeah, it's right? in chairs and, and stuff. In chairs and, you know, to stop you. And didn't, did, it, did it do well? It's still open open yeah so i must do well yeah i mean i think there's a lot of laundry machines in the back of it uh, <laughs> if you get the they're, they're doing wash yeah 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 that's, <laughs> good, that's a good way to put it puff daddy how was he as a personality at back then nice enough yeah we actually during the super bowl we we're supposed to do the sunday night super bowl after party okay with him and uh he had like the parties before that's when atlanta came down and really destroyed south beach like all the all the you know the un, undesirables. It was a labor Memorial Day, the day, right? No, it wasn't Memorial Day. It was actually the Super Bowl. Oh, party. that's oh, yeah, that, that year when when Atlanta later. played down okay, here. Okay, okay, okay. So Atlanta brought a bad element. Okay. And uh, quite a few people got killed nights before. You know, they had like you know five or six deaths. No at way. The beginning of the weekend. So we, uh, I mean, killing each other. It wasn't like, but still the element was bad. So I called him. I called. I said, Sean, I'm not going to do your party. Like, what do you mean? I said, I'm not, I'm not going to you know, put everybody at risk. Forget it. You know, people are getting killed and shot, so we're, it's canceled. So that's the last time we spoke. Oh, wow. He didn't like, he didn't like to be rejected, I heard. No, no. I know he wasn't very happy. And there, and there was people out there, like, luckily, the Shadow Lounge was an old synagogue. So it only had two little windows. So people out there throwing bottles at it, and we were inside, like, just still terrifying, even though we didn't have the party. That's right. Thank I remember that. Yeah, synagogue. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, it was an old synagogue. That was insane. People have walked by and cursed me. Wow. <laughs> I said, well, my landlord's Jewish, so you can't curse you can't me. Curse. You're right. You're like, right. I'm like, he's the one that rented it That's out. That's fun. That's so funny. Wow. Man, Bobby, I remember you used to come on the street and say hi to the police officers and shake yeah. their hand and be nice to them. Yeah, we hired, we had to, at the spot, we had to block off half the street because there's so many people waiting in line and the street would get too crowded. I remember that, man. So we literally blocked off, we had to hire police officers. And the one that was uh, off duty, the first one I got went to, I went to high school with Smitty. But I love the police officers there. You always respected they, them. They, you always, always, them respect. they always took great. Respected you too, absolutely. And they're great people, and they've got a tough job. You have a tough job. So I really, I really admired them a lot, and they're still friends of mine. Yes, Whenever yes. I see them, they're still. I would still, you know, invite them to my birthday party. I had a couple come to my birthday party at, yeah. at the Deuce. Okay. This year. Okay. So we decided to do it in an old school place. Okay. But they were they were great, and actually, we had one night in front of the spot where a valet parker. From across the street, the Warsaw. Okay, got in a '94 Corvette and didn't know how to hit the brake of the gas and ran over nine people in front of my club. Like they're they're flying like Death Race 2000. Then hit the police officer Oldie sitting on his car, crushed his legs between the two between the car and the Corvette, and actually went to the hospital to see Oldie. And fortunately, he's walking around now, but he he got pretty severe leg damage from that. But that was crazy. That was one of the things you can't anticipate. You know that are that just Close your mind. And sudden this Corvette runs over a crowd of people. And not intentionally. You know, the guy was terrified when he got out of the car, but it was still pretty crazy. Nobody passed away, thank goodness. 
Thank God. Quite a few people were pretty, pretty seriously injured. Was, how was the crime at that time in Miami? I was young. I don't remember. I was 17, 18, 19. But my... mean, crime, was, crime wasn't is worse now. Sure. You know, but, is it? But yeah, it is for sure. And before that, it was a lot worse because there's all the elderly. Sure. So there's a lot of people arriving the elderly. You had the Mariel boat lift, which emptied out, which caused the crime to go crazy over there. And when we first started the spot in Miami Beach, people didn't want to go to the beach because it was such a crime-ridden area. You know, and that's when the cops really had the toughest jobs possible. And those are the police officers that worked with me that had to work with that really, you know, horrific element that was, uh, you know, just robbing and, you know, old people. And it's just really bad scene. Sad. Yeah. And then all the, they started, all the production companies would come down and they started getting their vans ripped off and, you know, and it just changed the whole dynamics of it. We stepped, I skipped a step. Miami Beach in the 80s, it was a different landscape. South Beach, especially. You want to describe how the scene was? Old people outside? Old people sitting on their porches. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the biggest night there was bingo night, I think. <laughs> it was, it was uh, all, literally old people sitting everywhere on all the, all the famous, all the famous Ocean Drive. Ocean Drive. It was like just, just chairs set up in the front. Outside, smoking yeah. cigars and yeah, whatever. People, yeah, just sitting out there and waiting to die, I think. Kind the of, rumor yeah. I've heard, and you can confirm this for me, that Mickey Rourke was a big pioneer of changing that. You were there. You tell me who was the was that? I'm sure you're a big part of it, but who else was in, in addition to, in, in addition to you? Well, I mean, you had you had like the RC people, like Louis Canales was in there. You had the Warsaw, which is like, I mean, it was a big, really big gay scene in the beginning, you know. And I think that really brought a lot dra- of a lot of the flavor. They did that dra- yeah. drag thing there too. Yeah, yeah, and they had the street parties. They had the street parties, and the Warsaw was a big part. You had Paul Mantana that opened the Whiskey Lounge. You know, Johnny Versace, of course, was but get to always, that next. always sitting in, you know, at the news cafe and very friendly, very great man. You met him? Yeah. Really awesome man. A conversation with him? Not a in detailed conversation. Hi, hello. Nice to meet you. Yeah, pretty much. It's just a, it's a informal introduction, but quite a few times. I mean, we, he recognized me and, you know. But he was respect. Well, you know, I didn't want to disrespect him. So many people approached him. All the time. You know, I'd, I'm the guy that would stand back. I'd right. do that. I think that people see that, like, wait a minute, this not, he's, I mean, Say hi to him because he's not saying hi to me. Yeah. He's respecting me. They probably see that, right? Yeah, but he would he would say hello back to everybody. He would, huh? Yeah, he was really he was a gentleman. How he died? I was here I was visiting from New York that summer. I was right down the road. How was that for business when uh, Mark Kunan and uh, Kunan yeah uh, Andrew Kunan and yeah, uh, Andrew, yeah. sorry Andrew Kunan was yeah. it? Uh, well, it was bad, of course. You know, it was it was it was he's there all over the place. It's just uh, it was a tragic situation. You know, and, and at first they thought it was a mob hit because yes. it was a dead bird. Sure. And they, they did actually the first time they did forensics or, you know, on, a, on an autopsy on yeah. a bird and it was a bullet fragment. Wow. So, so they eliminated that idea and it was always a rumor and, you know, it was, uh, it was tragic. You know, there's nothing, nothing like that's ever good. You know, it was, a, it was really sad too because he was a, he was an icon. He was an icon. He put Miami yeah. partially on the map. Without question. I mean, like a lot of the, all the elements came through, right? And then and, and, and he was partially... You bring again the modeling industry that That's really right. absolutely at Irene Marie Ford, you know Michelle Pommier, everybody's on the beach. Yeah, and they're in the old hotels, you know, and just on the second floor of these old hotels, you can get a room for you know thirty nine dollars a night on Ocean Drive back then. I remember they were all all the hotels were dilapidated and yeah. not rebuilt. Yeah, so it was a great place, and the and the lighting in Miami is most beautiful. Yeah, you know, just the the, the, the skies are so clear and so. Modeling industry absolutely had the, the advantage of it. They jumped had the in. the biggest it. effect of making Miami popular. 
I mean, that was that brought everybody here. A lot of fashion shows. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, the, you know, swimsuit, you know, week and, you know, everything derived from that. Did you spend time with Stallone at all? Not really. I met here. him a couple times, yeah. yeah. How was he? When the few times you met him? Yeah, I think he threatened to burn down my, my one of my establishments. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, somebody, one of my partners punched a friend of his or something. So they sent in like 20 guys, like, look like they play for the New York Giants. Said, you touch our friend again, we're going to burn your place down. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Madonna. Not that he did it. No, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. We love Stallone. Yeah, we do. I, he was he was nice. You know, he wasn't he wasn't unpleasant. Sure, sure. I really never had a conversation. Okay. Madonna was always around. Always around. Yeah, because Ingrid Caceres. I grew up with Ingrid. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Ingrid and I knew each other since we were young kids. She comes from a family of entrepreneurs, I, right? Well, I think your father does all the glass in all these buildings. Okay. I'd oh. say that's a pretty lucrative job yes. for, <laughs> for all the glass buildings around you. It was huge back then. Yeah, yeah. She's a great girl. He is really. Yeah, she's been friends of mine for a long time. I, I saw her recently. His beautiful son. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I follow on social media. Yeah, yeah. On Instagram. Yeah, yeah Nico. So, she was competition to you. Not really. I mean, you know, if more people come out to go to a location, in the bar, but club hop. The bar hop. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's what the chili pepper. What I used to do is I used to do free birthday parties early, so that everybody, when I, anybody drove onto the beach, I was always packed. And so everybody would stop there first. And that's when people drink the most. I mean, between three and five in the morning, even though you're open, you're not really doing that much business. People are hanging so, out. Yes, they're hanging out. Sure. They, they got to drive home. Yeah. You know, then the pizza places get busy. Yes. Tom, Poochie's Pizza, Tommy I mean, get busy. Next door. Yeah. Tommy so, Poochie, right? Yeah. Tommy's still around. Good, Land a good friend of mine. I, I play golf with him all the time. Really? Yeah. Top G, guy. man. Yeah. To give me interview with him one day, man. Oh, yeah. On the phone with him after awesome. we get up here. That's amazing. Yeah. Tommy's a good buddy. Chris, pa Chris Pacello. Yes. Interesting gentleman, good-looking guy from Brooklyn. My yeah. from down the road from where I was, I grew up with. Yeah, he was across the street with Liquid. Yes, well, that was Ingers was with Liquid also. Partner, yeah, yeah, partners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was quite a few other partners. Okay, I mean, there, there was just like you he's know, the main partners. I get the yeah, 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 face yeah. of the company. Yeah, well, a lot of people were, but yeah, he was. Uh, you know, they used to do Fat Black Pussycat. Yes. You know, Ernie and all those guys. The bag, the sure. brown bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they did. So they Liquid was great. And I think I think Shadow Lounge is more of a, a competition for liquid. Yes. If you saw Chris Pacello's movie, they said we're going to go to Shadow Club and we're going to break all the bottles. And the, you know, it didn't really the happen. TV movie. Yeah. Donnie Wahlberg was in the movie, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Mark Wahlberg brother. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they they had said we're going to Shadow Club. This competition. Yeah. So I mean, at the spot, we had I think at least eight bomb threats on a Saturday night. We had a bomb threat during the Wesley Snipes and uh, uh, the Blade premiere. We had a, another bomb threat there. They put like uh, like antennas through my air conditioners. They uh, they would put wine glasses in my toilets. I mean, so was, there's a lot of shifty people out there that wanted to put me out, but they couldn't. I remember when they shut down my air conditioning, we gave everybody pitchers of water, and everybody's just pouring it all over each other. The windows were sweating. There was so many so much heat coming out of that place at the didn't windows. Care. Were, no, everybody had a blast. Probably one of the best nights we had, just because people just didn't want to go. Probably I remember, man. Thinking back. Like I always look forward to seeing you and shake your hand. You were that person. Like not a, not not many. Like I never knew who ran Corbar. Uh, no one ever came up. But you were that person, always smiling and going around. How much do you think you uh, contribute that to your to your success, being humble and being in there? That's a major reason. Big part of it, right? Yeah, big part. I mean, I, I've had people bring back their kids because they met at my clubs, and you know, so you get that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've developed a lot of great relationships, and people are are great. You know, I'm very gregarious, and I, I really enjoyed. Do you, do you remember that stuff? Oh yeah, of course they do. I mean, that, the, to them, it made them feel, you know, 
like you said, when Alfie comes in and introduces you to the owner, you feel good about it. I was like, this is it. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's just something that means very little. Yeah. I mean, it made me a lot to other people, but it not, wasn't much effort on my behalf. I enjoyed meeting you. I still do. You know, so I'm glad that That's we met. We met. And I'm telling you, man, like, and I became an entrepreneur and I always talk about you. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I'm opening a business right now in Orlando with my wife. We're opening up a med spa. And I was talking to her and she's like, who's this Bobby guy? And I'm telling your sister, I go, and I told her, I said, babe, when we are up, when we're up and running, we need to make sure we know the, the clients. We know, we know their birthdays. We should celebrate their birthday. We should go, sure, yeah. go out, shake our hand, yep. make them feel because that's just part of like the competition, not doing that. You should, for that, the competition, you should do that naturally. Yes, we did. And then we, as I said, with the birthday parties, that was also a way just to help celebrate. And that's what we did. We had you fill out a VIP form. Okay. So you win a free open bar. Okay. If you fill this form out, we're going to, and everybody that signed up got a free open bar. That's awesome. And you can bring up to 30, 40 people, but we gave away well liquor for an hour. Most people showed up an hour later anyway and missed a free bar, but that way we were always crowded. I'd get three or four parties a night and have 200 people when you drove by to go to the clubs, but it's just because I asked them for their birthday and like, birthday wishes are always great. That's I think it makes a big difference. I think that any, any successful place as the owner there. Sure. I mean, at least old times. Now you have 400 promoters and a lot, a lot of different, a lot sure. of more corporations are involved. So it's not quite as, as, you know, as intimate as it was before, but back then it made a huge okay. difference. And I remember people, remember their names, remember their families, remember their brother, remember stuff. So, you know, that really made a big difference. Talk to me about uh, Chris Pacello. How was the other individual? I mean, back I liked then. Chris. Yeah. You know, yeah. very different now. Yeah. Yeah. Now he owns gyms, you know, and he opened another club. I mean, he was always a tough guy. From he, he, yeah. Mafia he, they also tried to bust up my, the spot one night. I'm about to ask. Yeah. You yeah him and uh, this other guy that used to own Union Bar. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. they came in, Joey, and they came in and started a big fight. And it was on a Sunday night. So I only had a couple of bouncers, but well, I had the really good bouncers. <laughs> so, okay. So we bounced them all out. But it was, uh, it was, you know, I don't know if it's intentional. I can't say that, but it was definitely Something. an incident that, you know, they broke chairs and knocked shit over and it was pretty interesting. You talked to him still? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really see him. I don't, I don't know him that well. He was never somebody I wanted You're, to associate with. Okay. Gotcha. You know, and, and no offense yeah, to him at all. To society. Yeah. yeah but whatever. Yeah. Now, now I just, again, my father represented a lot of, sure. you know, people of that same persuasion. Sure. Was, You're, you're Italian. No, I'm Hungarian, oh, Irish. You're Italian. Yeah. But I grew up with the Italian family. I grew up with the Di Marias. So you part of that culture, you know it really I do, well. Yeah, I knew the family again every Sunday dinner, and I really became Italian. I guess Italian. <laughs> was there any mob influence at the club owner in, in New York City? Of course, yeah. not in Miami. Well, Miami, you know, it's uh, it's a little different. You know, I mean, there, there, I would, I would help anybody if they asked for suggestions. Sure, but I wouldn't work with anybody. Sure. But they asked me if they should buy this or do that or something Consult. like that. Consulting, yeah. correct. And for no pay. Okay. Just consulting. Just if they had, you know, they needed an opinion or they, but they, they, I don't really think they had much. No. Miami's always been a neutral ground. Sure. Because you have Colombians, you have, you know, the Jewish mafia, you got the Italian mafia. It's, it's kind of like a, a playground for everybody. Sure. Ever since when Cuba was open, it became kind of a neutral ground. Sure. But really has never been muscled in as That's far as insane. I know. Now, now the Russians, of course, are. Sure. Or up in the, you know, in the, in the cabin, yeah. yeah, in that area. So that's, uh, I don't, again, I don't, I don't think there's not, it's not the mob anymore. You do more business people. Business people. Yeah, yeah. You met Donald Trump back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I did. 80s. Yeah, yeah. A girl I used to date went out with him. I still brought her to disco, brought him to really? disco. Really? And I've been to Mar-a-Lago a couple of times with him too. How was he as a person? I like Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, he's a, he's intimidating because he's a really tall guy. Yeah. You know, and he carries himself with a, I, with a certain I'm a benefits too. I, yeah. I've always been. Yeah. I, when, I mean, he carries himself with a certain, certain way. Yeah. A certain swag. way. Swagger. Swagger. Mm -hmm. You know, but that's confidence that's to right. me. I agree with you. I, I, I'm, you know, people, it's not narcissism to me. No, I agree with you. You know, I think it's, it's a natural thing for sure. him. But he's, you know, talking about working with somebody, if he is that successful in New York, I'm sure he knows some work with some well, interesting I'm, I'm people. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, all around the world. But, you know, I, I mean, he's, uh, again, He's not as polished as some people like, sure. but but ultimately, I, I believe you know he's a diamond in the rough, if you will. Sure. You know, I, I like his ideas. I like what he's done. Opium Garden, amazing club. Yeah, yeah. competition. Yeah, down Somewhere. the road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Eric Milan and the Opium Group. They're you know from, them. Yeah, I know them well. Okay, they're good people. Good people. You know, there's enough room for everybody. I, I, that's what I'm learning. Yeah, there's not. There's never really. I mean, if you open, you know, a strip bar next to a strip bar, you might have it, but everybody has something different to offer. You know, Opium Garden, you know, the house music compared to, you know, I would bring the big DJs. They did wind up stealing all my DJs. You're when, right. When Space opened. Yes. Okay, Louis, yeah. Louis Puig was a friend of mine for many years. Tried to hire all my employees and took took all the big DJs. Was able to pay them three times as much. And that's why after five years of the lease, we're like, Chattel Lounge are just going to shut it down. I remember but that. It, but that's, that's competition. But you can't do anything about it because they just took something and made it three times as large. Yeah, the, Ultra, yeah. But the Opium Group also fights for all those DJs, and they, you know, David Grubman, they'll pay them on a yearly contract so they can't play anywhere else. So that became the dynamic that you have to deal with. But inevitably, things are going to do that when you have something people see and they can, you know, they have more money, they have more, you know, influence. They're going to take it. What year did you close Shadow Lounge? Yeah. Well, what year was that? It was 2003. I opened it in 97. 97, yeah, 2002, 2003. Yeah. And then I opened Flavor in Coconut. Right I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. I was there for the grand opening. I, I love Flavor. Yeah, Flavor was great. Well, old school rock and roll at the time, yeah. hip hop. I used to bring my yeah. friends from, from um, Coral uh, Springs up north right. to bring it to your place. I love that place. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I mean, again, I think the whole door thing that we learned in New York City. You know, when I implemented in South Beach, people were like, there's no way nobody in Miami is going to put up with the door. Yeah. But everybody did. Did. Because they wanted to get in. Sure. <laughs> said, you know, sure. Sure. Same thing of flavor, like in Coconut Grove, everybody wears shorts and baseball hats. I wouldn't let shorts in. Yeah. You know, just to try and keep, you know, again, if you make guys too comfortable, like groups of guys in, they're going to fight. Sure. Especially if they're in shorts and sneakers. And it's like, and everybody thinks they could beat up a bouncer, which is probably the dumbest idea yeah. you could ever come up with. Yeah. yeah. These guys all MMA fighters, sure. all trained. They're trained. You know, my, my, all my guys would grapple. You know, and just put you in a chokehold and put you down in a second. You know, and they train for that every single day. So when you have a few drinks and you decide to challenge somebody like that, it's probably not prudent. So, and even though the door was a little bit more lax, sure. we still would do a door. Sure. You know, and I didn't even charge a cover. It wasn't, except for Shadow Lounge, of yeah. course. Yeah. Because so I, I had the big DJs to pay for. You have to. But other other places, it's a discretionary thing. Also, you can see how people react sure. when you say they can't come in. You know, if they get aggressive, you know, you made the right choice. If they're nice about it, you change your mind and let them in. That's kind of like a thermometer, if you will, but it keeps peace inside because the inside balance and the inside energy is extremely important. You know, that, that you really feel an energy when you walk into a good place. You talk, you're talking about energy, man. I'm, I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting visuals and it's going shadow lounge. Yeah. The AC hits, you walk into the hallway, you yeah. look right here, you yeah. see George there, then you have yeah. to go upstairs at the balcony, yeah. Yeah. which I was very pro. Very blessed. Yeah, that was be. that was a VIP area. And I got in there and, and, and <laughs> deservedly so. Uh, Alfie Justice and, and Bobby, I love you to death. You got me in there, and I, dude, I'm 17, 18 years old. Um, height of Miami, and I'm just in awe. And you turn it around, 
I don't know if people were high or drunk, but they were so friendly in the beautiful. I think it was called ecstasy back then. I think yeah. so. I think. Ecstasy, ecstasy. <laughs> the yeah, the, the little redheads. I um, think they the, called them. The, these but we we get we got money back at Shadowlands because we didn't have a fight for four years. Wow, a lot of hugging. A lot <laughs> of hugging. And by the way, even if you bump into into a guy, they're turning around. Hey, don't worry, but go ahead, man. Do your thing. It was oh, a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. You talk to someone's girlfriend, like by mistake, like, hey, man, that's she's with me. I got you, bro. No problem. That's why we had 21 security guards because uh, the uh, city was very, very honest about people doing ecstasy. I'm like, oh. well, they take one pill before they come in. There's nothing I can do. Nothing. You know, I mean, what am I supposed to do? You know, so if any drugs went around sale inside, we had 21 security guards. Sure, sure, sure. And they tried to shut every club down in Miami Beach, sure. you know, during and then said, and ironically, the only one they said did a good job was Chris Pacello, because I'm sure that he had a city connection. Oh, He's probably one, not that saying he sent it out, but yeah, but it's probably somehow. So, but they came in, yeah, and they bought drugs, two two pills in six months. Wow. And they and I was and I was like, well, what what am I supposed to do? I said, well, if you pay for the off time police that investigated you, which is like eleven thousand dollars, and you pay a fine, we'll let you off. I'm like, well, you could buy, you know five pounds of crack at the school right down the street. Yeah. I said, but you got two pills in six months with like, you know, 50,000 people. I'm like, are you kidding me? And it was a city attorney running for office. Okay. And it was all just a political agenda. But again, things you have to face like that always come with the club business. When we had the river lounge at the Epic hotel, I opened that after Martini bar in South Miami. And they, and one day we came up and the whole hotel is wrapped around in yellow tape and they had Legionnaire's disease. They said they found in the water and two people had, had died on a cruise ship, but they both stayed at the Epic Hotel. So this is December, the height of when we're doing everything, all the Christmas parties, they had it blocked off for three weeks and just closed the whole place down. And then try and get somebody to come back when they say the water will kill you. So, you know, but un, unbelievable things that always seem to occur at the weirdest moments, but that's part of life. I, I have a coach I hired, a mental, my mindset coach. And we're talking about a conversation we had yesterday. He goes, listen, KB, tell me, think about this answer. Think about three emotions, feelings that you think a person should have to be the best version of themselves. Started thinking, I go, listen, number one, be unfazed. Number two, have abundance mindset. And number three, abundance mindset. A cool, calm, and collected. Yeah. And those three, they describe you to the T. You never thought I, I'm keep seeing the word competition. It never you never said the word competition yet. Your abundant mindset. I'm opening a med spa in the area and and I the other spots are already open. And I'm like, I turned my 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 consultant, my wife, like, what do you guys think? I'm like, listen, there's enough out there. If you focus on abundance, you'll get more abundance. Of course, yeah. If you focus on the lack of and competition, like we know some people who go in, in your club and mess it up to, you know, get business. We saw that outcome too. What happened with individuals? Yeah. So, and you're cool, calm, collective, and you seem like you're unfazed. Shit kept on happening to you over and over and over again. It's life. It's life. Yeah, you, can't, you can't question what's going to happen or what will happen. You just have to go with it. I mean, what choices do you have, really? It's really important to always strive forward. There's always something good that comes out of everything, no matter what. You know? Mm. Everything has to go forward. You can't, you can't never go backwards. No, learn from yesterday, live for today. Learn from yesterday, live for today. Wow, I like that. Yeah. Be the Bobby Spain, Space, uh, owned by Lewis. Yeah, Lewis Puig. And Puig. the Opium Group bought it afterwards. Okay. I mean, later on, a few, I mean, 
10 years after her. Yeah, Oscar G. All the big people. Yeah, Oscar G. I mean, they would bring, again, they had three times the space. And even though it wasn't a nice place, the people. It was a nice place. You know, people didn't care because yeah. they just, and that's kind of the, that kind of music scene. Kind yeah. of a New Yorker thing they did. They brought yeah. kind of New York in that sense, right? Yeah, yeah, the warehouses. The warehouse. Yeah, like Tunnel and yes. Twilo and yeah, all yeah. the different, yeah. yeah. And, and, and Limelight, even though sure. it was a church, it was sure, still kind sure, of, sure, sure. kind of eerie to walk through. Yeah, space is still there. I think so, yeah. It is still there, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And again, they would, uh, they would only open, you know, but they, that's, there's only like 11 24-hour liquor licenses. That's right. And so 11 has one. Yes. 11 one of the largest grossing clubs in the country. Is it right now? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They do a huge one. In the USA, this is one of the biggest yeah. ones. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. They just opened a restaurant upstairs. Okay. Uh, Alan Ross isn't part of it. Okay. Because Alan's a great guy, too. Yeah. Good friend. So they, oh, I think it's called Giselle's or something. Okay. They open on top of 11. How about... Grubman. David's great. I've known David since he was the manager at Tantra, I think, you know, and he's really ambitious and he's done really well, you know, and he's a good guy. I like him a lot, you know. Yeah, we had his restaurant, Outstanding Poppy Steak, and I met him once, twice. Mm -hmm. Very humble, just like yourself. He's just, he's just a really good guy. I like David a lot. He's, he's a sweet You, you kind of grew up in front of you. He did, yeah. Tantra was behind the, I, yeah, I'm yeah. a Tantra quite a bit. I love Tantra. Yeah, yeah. He was like, he was like, Bartender slash. I think he's a manager there. Yeah, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And now he he owns a lot of properties in here and South. He he has killed it. Killed it. Yeah, but you know he's he's a smart guy. Smart guy. He knows. You know what he he knows the industry. He sure. knows he knows the insides from, from the bottom back up. up. You know when you know the backside of it, you know it's easier to create the profitability. Sure. A lot of people, you know, like when we first started, I really didn't know the backside of it. I learned as I went along. You know, so we're lucky that we did so much business. We didn't have to worry about it so much. Sure, but, sure, sure. But you could, you know, he's very sharp. Sharp. You know, and, and he has good concepts and he has good partners, you know, and with the, the Sofer family, you know, Jeff Sofer, you know, that's a good person. You know. He's the one who owns Fountain Blue. Blue. He yeah. gives a chance, hey, open something here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. David pitched him, hey, let me open something here. Yeah, exactly. goes. yeah. and it went well. It went well. well the Fountain Blue is amazing. You know, they've done a great job of that also. But it may, may not have gone well. I mean, we've seen... Stories go other way, right? It was, it was close not to. There was a there was the a beginning. Point, I heard there was a point where he was almost bankrupt from it. But then he got through it because they were trying to open Las Vegas. Yes, and Las Vegas went down. So that's really you know. And again, when you overexpand, you know, we always say if it's not broken, don't fix it. Sure. You know, even if you just take a club and try and expand the club. You know, that's why when we did Chili Pepper, I put a pool hall next to it, Brant's Break. I didn't want to make Chili Pepper bigger. Sure. Because it was a Chili Pepper, you know, and that had the charm to it. You never know what you can do. And trying to open multiple places will also do that. You try and franchise things out. They can do that. Yeah, it's different people, different areas. Unless, of course, it's a generic franchise. You know, Let me ask you a question. Um, where, where do you think nightclubs went? And now, but that, that scene has changed. Yeah. Maybe it's the only one there, maybe. Eleven's uh, there. But it's become a restaurant thing now. Yeah. You got into restaurant business before restaurant thing was big. Yeah, I've had a few restaurants. Yeah. Well, the, the the thing is, the cities are trying to shut everything down. Nightclubs. Yeah. And so the cities they change the times, like in Coconut Grove, from five a.m. to two a.m. Miami Beach from five a.m. to three a.m. In certain districts, two a.m. In other districts, you know, because I mean, even though the night industry pretty much put Miami on the map, Miami Beach, but all the commissioners and everybody live in all the buildings. Now they're all influencing it to shut everything down, and they want restaurants. They want to make it, you know, family friendly, which and, you know, you get your family member shot on Ocean Drive, so it's not quite working so well. But, you know, there's other things they did now where uh, 
I was on the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association with your uncle. Yes. And so they did things on uh, on Ocean Drive to where you can't have those big black umbrellas, so that because that's where all the crimes are going on, all the drug dealing. Sure. So now he has to come off the building. They have to be a certain color. So they're trying to do things to to make it better, but they they have a long way to go. Long way to go. And and the clubs are dangerous, you know. It's not it's not worth owning one, you know. It, it, so they are doing bodegas and things and and restaurants with dance in it, you sure. know, kind of like a cabaret. Which everything comes in cycles. Yes, it does. They'll come back. Again. They'll come back. Yeah, for sure. I think like Nikki Beach had a whole thing. They, they, it's open. It's an open forum, and the people around us want to. Yeah, they want to close it down. Well, now the Bouchon brothers, I think, just took it over. They did. Yeah, they got it from the Penrods. Okay. Yeah, yeah Penrods family. That they're huge. And Steve Bouchon's a great guy too. Is he? Yeah, he's really. They're good people. Um, the brothers are great. I could tell my wife talks about it, raves about it. Bagatelles are red. I think restaurants, like lounge, something, to get on the, on the tables. Um, they got reality shows coming to Miami. A lot of the people, right? Todd, our friend, which your yeah. friend is on one of them, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, just just imagine, Bobby, if social media was around <laughs> when Shadow Lounge was there. Yes, it'd been crazy. It would be dangerous. Yeah, it would be dangerous. But an amazing, amazing time. Yeah, and you know what? This people had fun. What can had you fun. say? People had the times of their lives. They used to call it their their temple because it was a temple. It was a temple. And they, they'd go there religiously. And we had people it. that were there every every time we we're open and just couldn't get enough of it. So oh, dude, I loved it. It was all positive energy, like you said. It yes. wasn't positive energy. Yeah, and that's 100%. what I'm talking about. Walking in and feeling that energy. You could feel it, you know. And and we used to have deaf people come in because we had all the big bertha subs, you know, and they'd stand in front of the you know, the base. A C feel it. Yeah. We first time we turned on the, the sound system, it shook uh, bottles off our shelves. That's insane, man. I mean Steve Dash did our, our sound from Dude, England. And the sound oh, it was a, it was a really elaborate sound system. That was a, your sound system was the best. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was quite. We put a lot into the sound and the lighting, lighting too. We had Legger up there in the lighting. She was great. She 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 got into it. She was very very savvy with the whole music industry too. You know, but she wow. she made a big difference also. Wow, Bobby, you you stepped away from. I did. I have a I have an autistic son. Okay. He's yeah. 14. He's nonverbal. Right. Okay. And so that's my full-time job. He's taking care of him. Yeah. I take help. My mom has dementia. She's 90 years old. Wow. God and then my aunt also has Alzheimer's, her sister. So I did just take, taking care of family. You know, I've taken care of everybody else. Now it's time for my family. I guess. Look at you. So you have to do what you got to do, like I said. But my son's great. I love my son, Gunner. He's a great kid. You know, and hopefully we'll break it through. Yeah. And we're just going to keep trying. Look forward, look forward to tomorrow. 15. It'll be 15 in December. One day. Yeah, I'd love you to meet him. Yeah. Your pleasure. I remember when he was born, and I think I met his mom too briefly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's a wonderful lady. Okay. Yeah, she lives here in Brickell. Okay. She's good, yeah. Um, I, Before I end it, I want to talk, talk about our mutual friend, Alfie Justice. Alfie Justice was an ex-Navy SEAL. Great guy. He's six foot two, muscular. He had a, these Oakley glasses on. He was a personal trainer. He was a boxer, a security guy at different clubs. How'd you meet Alfie? How'd you know Alfie? I met him through South Beach, through, South the, Beach you know, through the security industry and stuff. He did. He worked in it too. Yeah, because Michael Nunn was also, he's unfortunately also passed away. Okay. But he was, uh, they all trained with the same people. Okay. At Rudy Esther, it was amazing. I mean, at, I mean again, the, the bouncers over there were just animals. You know, they were just, but they didn't have to hit you. And they wouldn't hit you because that's a liability. Sure. But no, he was part of the whole scene. I've known him for, I love the guy. He's a guy. Yeah. He talked about you, Bobby, was such Oh, and, and, and love for you. And never a negative word. His ex-wife, Marcia, who, you know, they got divorced, but she loved you. She probably don't watch it. Shout out to Marcia. Shout out to Alfie Justice. 
Bones. What a child. They had a friend named Jerry who loved your club. He's come all the time. I mean, all these people, man. It was it was a magical time. I'm going to give a shout out to my friend, uh, my, my best friend, Omar. He, was, he used to come to your club. And he was from Brooklyn. He used to come just to see me and go to Shadow Lounge. And he was just like, he was a skinny guy back then. And I don't want to make fun of him, but he's like, these, these amazing girls all over the place. I go, dude, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm when I say beautiful, I mean, this is before... I know plastic surgery has always been there, but now I think women are just yeah. too much. I would agree. You know what I mean? No, there were natural beauties. It was natural beauty yeah, back a, in yeah, that time. Absolutely agree. You had like Daisy Fuentes, you know, from MTV, Nikki yeah. Taylor, Cindy Crawford. Yeah, I did, I did an interview with natural. Daisy Fuentes. They were different. Yeah. I did an interview with Daisy Fuentes and Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, like, wow. Well, before one started the spot. Okay. When they were on MTV or sure. something like that. So, yeah, it changed so much, but it was, it was very casual. People didn't have to worry about paparazzi, sure, or social media. It wasn't there. There wasn't. There wasn't AIDS at that point, sure. You're not you're not. That's a big deterrent. I mean, everything was just at a. It was like a blissful time. Time. It really was. It was magic, without question. I I couldn't imagine. Can't. Couldn't imagine having a better time. No, it was brilliant. And you were the pioneer of that, man. Like you're gonna go down the books, man, Bobby Brand. I'm telling you. Well, you know. Sorry. God bless you, man. You were the pioneer, you know, and they talk about Grumman and talk about these people, and I get it. Well, they were kids. I mean, they yeah. were young. By the way, they're pioneers now, and they have all the respect. They shout out to David Grumman. Yeah, of one of my mentors. I look up to him. Yeah. But not to be funny, they were kids when you were running the show. Well, but they've learned a lot. And they learned a lot. And, they, and they've, they've taught me a lot. But, so I would agree with I like that. that. Yeah, it's true. You learn from younger too. Absolutely. You can learn from a student. And you can learn from now. He's a teacher. So he's, he's a he's done you can't not say can't knock him. about him can't knock him can't say enough good things about him Robin. and 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 god bless god bless him honestly you believe in the law of attraction yes. where you think about something you visualize something you can manifest it absolutely energy good energy shadow lounge was known for good i don't want to talk crap but crowbar across the street good club i had a great time but you walked in there and the energy at crowbar wasn't as positive it was, you know, again, beautiful girls in, in music, but everyone had beautiful girls in music. Yeah. But the energy was not the same. And I, I'm not just saying that you're in front of me, but it was not the same as Shadow Lounge. Right? Energy is real. Yeah. Positive, negative. Talk to me about, like, law of attraction for you. Did you, when you're younger, do you sit back and say, you know what? I'm going to visualize a club when I'm a Hollywood people, NFL people, boxers, actors going to come to party. Have you ever thought about this? I, I did. But I also thought about, you know, bringing like, I don't know, the group of people that I hung out with sure. were energy. And, uh, and, and also people that, like, let's say when you would come, right, and I saw your energy, I'd take that energy and you'd bring other people yes. with the same energy. Sure. So I think spreading it. It's transferable. You may, I made everybody that walked in my club a promoter for me. Right. You know, so, and, that, and that's, that's, I never thought about that. that's where the energy comes from. You had people and, working for you without yeah, you them knowing. Working it. for you and without knowing it. And, and, and acceptingly and absolutely like excited to do it, you know? So, and that's a little bit of energy you give to every person when they walk out and they come back and they bring it back and they good. And if it's good energy, it just multiplies, multiplies. Yeah. So I think that's, this a lot of the secrets to anything, anybody you meet, might as well give them good energy. So manifest business advice for me, I'm 41. I'm, 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 I have a real estate business I'm working on. I have a podcast. I'm working super hard to make this huge. And I'm opening a med spa. I have a plan to do much more. For young entrepreneurs sitting across Bobby Brand, the top G, what would you, that's one of the advice you tell people, positive energy, work from sincere heart. 
Yeah, honesty. Honesty. Without question. You know, don't ever lose your integrity. And you have to maintain it through everything because it'll always come back and bite you. You know, just, Interesting. You know, my grandfather, they wrote an article, A Lawyer of Indomitable Integrity, which, as I said, written by Hugo Black Jr. And again, his father was the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Pretty powerful position, to mm. say the least. But I, I would never forgot that when I was a kid. I lost my grandfather when I was young, but that stuck with me always. Wow. And I think that's very important. You know, treat others like you want to be treated yourself. I mean, very basic things. And I don't think there's much to it. I think people overthink it. People overthink it's, it. It's very basic. It's logical. You know, what's logical? What 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 do people want? Yeah. What's missing? Sure. You know, what 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 can you fill for them sure. that they don't have in their life? You know, when different clubs. Okay, there's no rock and roll club. Let's open that rock and roll club. The same same pieces fit everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you want to do, what you're looking at, there there's a market for it, and it's the people that will be attracted to you. Because wow. you've created it. So go with what you really feel, you know, and you and trust your instinct. You know, trust that trust that you're gonna make the right decision and don't let anybody tell you what you're supposed to do unless it's somebody that's a mentor or advisor. Sure. But trust your gut, you know, but know know the business sense of everything though. That's know key. what that's, business that's you're getting key. into. You know, have Crucial. yeah. No numbers, of course, and no 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 fixed, you know, what's it gonna cost you if you don't do well. You know, whenever you open a club, most people Takes so long to open it that they run out of money before they open it, and they think it's going to be good in a month or two, and they're out of business, and landlord takes all their equipment. So you have to balance it out, or you have a, a clear plan of where you're going to be in this year, two years, five years. Just think you have to think about that whole realm. So don't think about the present; think about where you're going to be in the future. Manifest it. You know? Where am I going? Wow, you know? that's some good, some good nuggets there from my my people. To you know, work from the heart, work from the right way. Don't take shortcuts. Um, listen to your mentor if you have one. Um, interesting, Bobby. What a way, Bobby. I, you, I had a friend, a very good friend, also my mentor, who opened a place called Off the Hookah here in Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Ehab, Ehab. Yeah, I've been, I've been there. I think. Okay. Yeah, he talks about you very well too. Good friend of mine. He, he closed it down. He already had opened three or four of them and. We're in Fort Lauderdale, and when the hookah thing, he made it popular, though. You know, yeah, yeah, they're, they're very popular. Yeah, right. He popular. did a great job. Yeah, good job with that. He's, he's a good guy. Yeah, very good. Yeah, Ehab's good. Shout out to Ehab, yeah, Ehab. a friend of mine. Uh, Bobby, as an entrepreneur, I know you're now taking care of family, and God bless you for that. But as an entrepreneur, when you were up and running active, did you have daily habits and routines? My last question, we'll wrap it up. Did you have daily habits, routines that you had every day to, you could say, hey, anyone listening to this, write this down? I mean, you know, the hardest part of the club business is day and night. Yes, you're working all the time. So you have to, you know, you have to, you know, deal with the liquor companies. You have to deal with, first of all, the government agencies. Sure. You have the alcohol, to tobacco. Sure. You have, a, you know, ATF, ABC, you know, FBI, because sure. it's the number one laundering business yeah, in the country. So just, you know, dot your I's and cross your T's. That's it. You know, and, and, organize. and understand that you have to, there, for me, is a double faceted. Sure. The better liquor deals I got, the better I negotiated I did with them. The more promotions I did, sure. the more celebrities you bring in. So, you know, pad your pad your world with things that'll keep it interesting. Sure. And everybody gets bored. So if you keep interesting and you just to me, I was looking for something new within the same realm. You know, something that new DJ, sure. new music. Like I said, when David Bowie played his longest concert ever at the Fort Lauderdale Chili Pepper, like almost four hours. And it's in the records, as long as longest thing he ever played. Had to be the right energy. As 1300 people and david bowie performed there like incredible to me that just shows 
Well, the you, put, you put the right energy together, everybody feels it. Even somebody like David Bowie. They feel it. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm going to give a little story before I get going. Um, I had a stroke. That's what the name comes from. Stroke of success. I had a stroke five years ago in South Florida. 35 years old. I had a baby running around, one on the way. My wife was pregnant. Christmas morning, and I had a stroke. I was in a coma for one whole week. I wake up New Year's Day. They're like, oh, you have a ventilator in my, my, I had a ventilator. I couldn't move my hand. Oh my goodness. Couldn't walk or talk. I had to go to rehab and, and learn. And I went back to my job. Um, and my job let me go. I was the director of marketing for a tech company. They said, KB has been a long time. KB, we love you, but we're going to move forward. And I'm back to the white, uh, whiteboard to do what the next move is going to be. And I always had a journal. And I had people's names, people I looked up to. I have, I have a huge list. One of my, my uncle. Uh, Muhammad, he's my uncle, my, he's my, my godfather. He's like on top of that list. Alfie was a big part of that list. Ehab was a big part of that list. But you're on the list. You've, been, you've always been on that list. And I want to say thank you. I don't know how much it will mean to you or not. If it means anything to you. You have inspired. You have contributed and indirectly or directly to my, where I am. I'm not going to call myself successful, but I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm hustling. And you have contributed to that in some way. I'm honored. Thank you. Seriously, Bobby. Honestly, you know, and honest. I'm proud of you, young Thank man. You. Thank you, Bobby. That means a lot when you say that to me. I'm really sincere about that. Wow. I'm glad to see you again. Thank you, Bobby. And you know, like, like you said, and I and I probably, I put your your called the Bobby method to shake hands, to go out there, kiss babies, you know, and say and stop stop and talk to people and make eye contact contact and make be sincere to talk with them. That one was social media. Nobody does that anymore. I mean, you don't even talk to people on the phone. You text them instead. Yeah. I don't. I don't like texting. No. I don't. And in social media, I've got, you know, maybe as many as I can on Facebook. I never go on it. Yeah. You know, it's just it's really you're not active I social media pushing us away from being together. So I think it's very important to be together. Sure. I think like what you know we're talking about everything, even politically. Sure. I think we need a middle party. Sure. We need a left or right. I agree with you. You know, we need something down the middle. In the middle. Same thing with people. We need people to be people again, and not you know people are pushed away from each other because they're making it you know just insensitive. Sure. You know, so I think it's important that people do what you're doing, and we continue to to, to go against what they're trying to push us I agree away with from. You. Push back. I think middle and everybody gets together. That's the middle. You're, You're right. not going to get together with somebody if you don't look them in the eye. You know, when you toast somebody, you always look people in the eye. Hundred percent right. You know, and I think that's all very important stuff. I think that's what we're forgetting. Yeah, that's amazing, awesome stuff, guys. Uh, that's that's from Bobby Brand. He's not on social media. He's on Facebook. You can find him on Facebook. I, my my team was looking for his pictures online to do my thumbnails. I've been asking for that. But Bobby, it's been magical. I met Bobby year nineteen ninety-nine. It's two thousand three. It's been over twenty years when I know the gentleman. And uh, Bobby, I love you, man. Love you too. Thank you for doing this for me. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you.